Hey everyone, welcome to the Overflow Podcast, where pastor, author, speaker, and consultant Jim Stern explores various benefits and blessings of life lived in the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love. There is so much to discover, to learn, to feel, and to see when God goes first and we live in the overflow. This is going to get nasty super, super, super quick, man. Welcome into another edition of The Overflow. We're in this series or mini-series on generational mess, generational nastiness. We're looking at how uh, the generational lines into which we were born negatively impact, positively and negatively, but the examples we've been looking at negatively impact our lives. And what we're going to look at today gets nasty fast and and ah so frustrating but it gives us so much truth and insight of the reality of the world in which we live and the things that are affecting us and how we can find freedom in them and hopefully not only freedom for ourselves but freedom in the lives of other people overflow overflow this podcast trexo exists to be a a powerful force against lifeless forms of christianity and one of the toxins that is so pervasive in robbing us of the life that is ours in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is generational issues, generational mess. And we don't really understand it all that well. We don't talk about it very much. Uh, and uh, the intent over the, the, these past couple sessions, and then I think a third one that we'll do uh, next time, is to expose generational issues, generational sin, and, and what does that look like, how to, get, how to get set free. Let's get into this. This gets super nasty really quick guy by the name of King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat served the Lord, brought peace to the people of Judah. He's a, a king of the southern kingdom of Judah. United Israel together. Uh, Israel divides. Northern kingdom maintains the name of Israel. Southern kingdom takes on the name of the tribe of Judah. Jehoshaphat is a king in Judah, and he's described as a great king, great faithful, uh, walked in the ways of the Lord after his father David. Da, 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 da. Jehoshaphat was great. He's a great dad to his son. His son's name that we're going to look at today is a guy named Jehoram. 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 I'm sure that's a very Texan way of pronouncing that, Jehoram. Uh, but he modeled, Je- Jehoshaphat modeled faithful leading and living to his son, uh, Jehoram. However, Jehoram turned out to be a massive dipstick. Oh, oh, massive dipstick, uh, Jehoram. Uh, Jehoram. He had six brothers. Jehoram had six brothers. Jehoshaphat had six sons. And Jehoshaphat loved all of his boys super, super well. Super well. Scripture says that he lavished all of these gifts of precious gold and silver and fortified cities. He, he, he gifted his kids all of these things. But to Jehoram, he reserved his kingship. He, while he blessed all these other kids with all these wonderful gifts, he reserved the gift of gifts to his son Jehoram, and Jehoram became king. Now, horrifically and bizarrely, just after Jehoram became king and secured his throne, he murdered all six of his brothers. He murdered all six of his brothers. And we're not given any details as to the how he went about doing it, the conspiracy, uh, the plan that he hatched. We're just told um, in a way that feels very cold and matter of fact in its brevity, there are just not a whole lot of details, that he killed all six of them. He killed all six of them. And that was the beginning of his kingship. It was the beginning of a long and terrible kingship 
his kingship was so bad and so terrible that when he died, no one cared. When he died, I mean, that's terrible. When he died, no one cared. Well, listen to this summary, Second uh, Chronicles 21, Second Chronicles chapter 21, verse 19 and 20. This is the conclusion of Jehoram's kingship. This is what the scripture says about him. I hope this is not what's read at your funeral. Now, it came about in the course of time at the end of two years that Jehoram's bowels came out because of a sickness and he died in great pain. Yikes. And his people made no fire for him like the fire for his fathers. He, Jehoram, was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years and he departed with no one's regret. He departed with no one's regret, and they buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. He was a dipstick. He was a dipstick. Even though he was raised in a great house, like generationally he was blessed, like his dad Jehoshaphat and all the 23 kings of Judah. Jehoshaphat stands out as one of the best. Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, David, these guys stand out in their kingship. Jehoram was raised in that house. He murders his brothers and goes on to be a turd of a king so bad that when he dies, no one, no one cares. No one, no one cares. How did this tragedy happen? How, did, how could one man raised in a great house kill all of his six brothers and have such a horrific kingship that, uh, that when he died, no one cared? How, how could that happen? Uh, he got married. Jehoshaphat got married and he just got destroyed. He got wrecked. He got wrecked. I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. This is the facts. These are the facts of the life of Jehoshaphat. He, or excuse me, of Jehoram. He killed all six of his brothers because of his wife. Because of his wife. He had a terrible kingship and died with no regret because of his wife. Now, this is not a commentary on, on not getting married or on sinister wives um, because husbands can be equally sinister. This is a commentary, hopefully a profound and, and dangerous and insightful commentary on how generational messes can poison our lives, can poison our lives. Okay, so watch this. Jehoram is, is, is uh, the more faithful southern kingdom of Judah. He marries a woman by the name of Adaliah. He marries a woman named Adaliah, who is of the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, united Israel, northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Well, the northern kingdom of Israel culturally is far less faithful from the jump than the southern kingdom of Judah. And so instead of marrying one of his own tribe, if you will, one of his own fervor in the Lord, one who pursues the Lord or comes from a family line that pursues the Lord in the same way that Jehoshaphat does, Jehoram marries a woman from a culture that is not of the same fervor as, uh, uh, as Jehoram's culture is. So uh, strike one from, from the jump, right? Strike one and and bad marriage choices from the jump for for Jehoram he marries a woman that's not of his people uh bad move uh bad move but hang on this gets this gets far worse because Adaliah's dad Adaliah's dad is a guy named King Ahab Well, King Ahab may sound familiar to you because in the scriptures, Ahab is an enormous turd. He is the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, 
and he is god awful. He's a terrible king. Uh, uh, he is a Baal worshiper. Uh, he follows in the way of another guy by the name of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. So when united Israel divides, northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah, the first king of the northern kingdom of Israel is a guy named Jeroboam. Well, in the land of the northern kingdom underneath the reign of Jeroboam, Jeroboam sets up what we could call false Judaism. He creates uh, golden bulls in the, in the, 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 on the borders of Israel for his people to worship. He creates a false priestly line. He creates false festivals. He creates all of these facsimiles of Judaism so that the, the people in the north will not travel to the people in the south, will not travel south to worship Yahweh, to worship God, the God of, of, of all of Israel historically in the southern kingdom of Judah. Jeroboam installs all of this cultural crap, this cultural religion that has nothing to do with the one true God. And so when Ahab come, becomes king, Ahab follows in the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Ahab's daughter, Adaliah, is raised in a house, is raised in a house where that kind of practice, that kind of fake Judaism is normal, is the normal way of life. So, so strike two against Jehoram, he marries a woman who's not of his tribe, whose dad is an avowed idolater and just a, a terrible, terrible king. And so for whatever reason, you know, maybe, maybe Adaliah is just drop dead gorgeous. Maybe her body is rock solid and, and Jehoram is just being led by the wrong thing in him and he can't deny uh, what, what's going on. Um, uh, uh, Jehoram decides to marry this woman named Adaliah and his life takes a dramatic turn in a uh, in a horrible direction so that when when Jehoram marries Adaliah he's not just marrying Adaliah he's marrying the the generational lineage the generational lineage you got to see this the generational lineage into which Adaliah was born into which Adaliah was was raised now if it was just that that Adaliah's dad was Ahab that that would be bad enough as it is but the situation is about to get exponentially worse exponentially worse because guess who Adaliah's guess who's Adaliah's mama guess who's Adaliah's mama Adaliah's dad is Ahab and, he, and he's a he's a he's a jackrabbit Adaliah's mom maybe you heard of her is Jezebel <laughs> it's Jezebel what a mess what a mess Adaliah didn't have a chance although she did have a chance but she didn't have a chance look at the generational life into which Adaliah was raised. Adaliah's mom is Jezebel. Jezebel is the daughter of the king of a people group called the Sidonians, Sidon. Sidon is a part of the Phoenician people group that lived on the Mediterranean coast, uh, north of Israel and uh, a little bit west. They're a coastal people who have all sorts of mystical, messed up, um, Baal-worshipping insanity, religious insanity, uh, uh, syncretism, just a mix and a blend of, you know, whatever the, wherever the winds blow, um, uh, Phoenician, Phoenician religion. 
and Jezebel is raised in that environment. Jezebel marries Ahab, who's got all sorts of religious faith issues himself. Neither one of them have anything to do with the one true God. Adaliah is raised in that house. And, and so, you know, Jezebel wants to kill all the prophets of God. Uh, Jezebel conspires against a guy named Naboth because Naboth owns a great piece of land and, and Ahab, the king wants it. And, and, uh, Jezebel conspires to have him killed. Jezebel is wicked. She's evil. She's dark. She's diabolical. She's demonic. Uh, and she's so bad that in Revelation 2.20, Revelation 2.20, all the way at the end of the Bible, when Jesus is giving his review of the seven churches in Asia Minor, Revelation 2 to 3, in Revelation 2 to 3, Jesus uh, gives a review of seven churches in Asia Minor. One of those churches that he reviews is a church in a city called Thyatira. Thyatira. And in the church in Thyatira, there's a false prophetess, a woman who's prophesying but in her prophesying she's leading seeking to lead the church into all of these ungodly ways and all of these sinister ways potentially very sexual and sexually immoral ways and jesus calls her the prophetess jezebel hearkening back to the story of jezebel and the person of the historical jezebel that we find at the end of first kings in in, in the book of second kings that's how bad jezebel is and that's adaliah's mama Adaliah's dad is King Ahab. What a mess. Adaliah's mama is Jezebel. What, a, what, a, what an exponential mess. What an exponential mess. And yet, for some reason, Jehoram decides to marry this woman. Ah! And so then it becomes a little bit easier to understand, not justify at all, but understand how Jehoram could turn and murder his six brothers. Because in the way of Jezebel, that's what you do. You, know, you live by fear and you take out anyone that could be a potential threat to what you have or that has what you want. For Naboth had what Ahab wanted in Jezebel's mind and Jezebel's way of life. Well, if somebody has what you want, you just go kill them and take it. Uh, or if somebody's a threat to what you have, you just kill them and take it. Uh, and silence them. And so Jezebel's way of life gets translated into Adaliah, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And then here comes all of this generational pressure from the line of Adaliah that's put on Jehoram. Jehoram capitulates and, and starts off the lineage of his kingship, the lineage of his kingship with, I mean, this guy has every golden ticket afforded to him, right? He comes from good stock, from the stock of Jehoshaphat. His future has been secured. He's got all the power that he could want. He's got all the reputation that he could want. But still, that's not good enough to be faithful to what God our Father, Yahweh, is leading him to do. He becomes susceptible and influenced by the woman that he marries who's got this sinister genealogical line. And then he turns into a jackrabbit, turd, dipstick, all combined. So bad that when he dies... When he dies, he dies with no fire and no one, no one cares. So strike one against Jehoram. He didn't marry a woman of his people. Strike two against Jehoram. He married the daughter of Ahab. And strike three, which maybe it should just be strike one and that's enough. He married the daughter of Jezebel. He married the daughter of Jezebel. What a mess. What a mess. So we see this generationally. Can you see generationally the competing forces in the generation of Jehoshaphat being passed on to Jehoram? But Jehoram being married into the generational line of Jeroboam, Ahab, Ahab to Adaliah. 
the king of Sidon to Jezebel, from Jezebel to Adaliah. We have two competing, two competing generational forces at work at the at the altar. I just want you to be able to see that. I want you to be able to see that. So let me make some relevant points of application uh, in in generational realities for our lives. Uh, first, your family line can affect who you are, how you perceive the world, and the decisions that you make. Your family line can. It doesn't necessarily have to, but it absolutely can and can have significant influence. And by the way, this works to the good and to the bad, to the good and to the bad. So Jehoram was set up for generational success because of the potential impact of Jehoshaphat on his life to the good. He got negatively affected generationally because of his marriage and all the things that we've already we've already detailed. But I, I want you to see in the beginning that your family line can absolutely affect who you are, how you perceive the world, and the decisions that you and that and that you make. Uh, uh, in that, uh, each of us has a responsibility to our own generational freedom. Uh, my spouse's generational issues. Freedom from my spouse's generational issues is not my responsibility, and my freedom from my generational issues are, are not her responsibility. It's my generation, and I have response. Now, spouses can help, absolutely, uh, care, sit with, walk with, all those kinds of things. Um, but it's my generational line. It's my wife's generational line. It's your generational line. It's your spouse's generational line. Uh, and freedom and deliverance from bad generations is absolutely possible for anyone through Jesus. We are not uh, beholden to, we're not trapped in our generational lines. You can be set free from your generational line quite easily, as a matter of fact, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. For regardless of how powerful your, the, the generational impressions are on your life, no matter how powerful the generational influence is on your life, it is not anywhere remotely close to the generational breaking power of the Lord Jesus Christ that's available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so uh, uh, let me ask you a question in, in this first point of application. How aware are you of the generational line into which you were born and, and how it affects who you are today? How aware are you of the generational line into which you were born and how it has shaped you today? So that's one point of application. Second point of application in this generational mess that we're looking at. When you marry... When you marry, you do not just marry the person in front of you, but the family line in which they were raised. I don't care how hot Adelaide was. I don't care how hot Adelaide was. And, and it seems like she must have been super fine. It seems like, like, like I mean, uh, Jehoram was hot for, was hot for Adelaide. Uh, I don't care how hot she is, man. I, I don't care how hot he is. You're not just marrying that person in front of you. You're marrying the generational line in which they were raised. Now, th this, this does not mean that you don't marry someone with a difficult family. That doesn't mean that at all. And it doesn't mean if you have a difficult family that somehow you're disqualified for marriage or that you can't have a great life or a great married life. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Uh, but it does mean that you that both of you need to be wise to how much that family line can affect your marriage. Don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. Don't be naive. Uh, wake up to the reality of generational connectedness. Uh, and as you are dealing with, if you're married and you're dealing with issues, uh, consider generational sources. You got to consider generational sources. If you're not married and you're on the market, 
get to know your generational issues uh, for yourself and, and already begin the work of getting healed uh, of your generational issues. And then as you consider a potential spouse, you get to know their generational issues and take that into consideration. Uh, my takeaway here in this point of application is be super careful who you marry. Be super careful who you marry. Uh, Jehoram had all the privilege in the world, uh, but he wasn't super careful with who he married, and it had bad effects. It had bad effects. Uh, lastly, and this is closely related to the first, to the second one, but I want to I want to draw this out. Uh, spouses can have great sway on one's way of life. Spouses can have great sway, great influence, both the good and the bad, on one's way of life. Uh, Jehoram married Adaliah. And her influence and his family's influence, her family's influence toppled, ran over the way of Jehoram's family. Uh, 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 who you marry uh, has dramatic impact on the direction of your life, the direction of your life. Uh, if you walk in the ways of the Lord, be strong, be resolute, be convinced in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit for your way of life. Immovable by anybody, your, your spouse included. Uh, hopefully you will make a wise decision in, in who it is that you marry. Um, but be resolute. Understand the, the influence, the sway that a spouse can have on one's life and, and proceed with wisdom. Proceed with wisdom. I hope that you're really able to see in the life of Jehoram, the life of Adaliah. I hope you're able to find yourself in that story. Uh, maybe you're Ahab, maybe you're Jezebel, maybe you're Adaliah, maybe you're Jehoram, maybe you're Jehoshaphat. Uh, where are you in in all of this? There is abounding hope, capital H O P E hope, because of the surpassing greatness of the power of God that is toward us who believe, and the redemptive work of God our Father to deliver us out of whatever family issues that we have been born into or that we have generated, so that we can live in the fullness of life. I declare to you in the name of Jesus that what God our Father has for you is rich, and it's so far beyond anything that you could ever ask or imagine. Life that you could never imagine that somebody like you could experience, man. It is very possible, regardless of what your family line is, regardless of what your family line, to live in the fullness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I pray that this has been helpful to you. If it has been, and understanding a little bit more about generational issues and how to walk in the freedom of those, it would be a blessing to me if you would share this around on all your social media platforms. And then also, if it's been helpful to you, it could you would help me out uh, uh, financially in gifts to Trexo. Uh, that would certainly help us continue to get these kind of messages out to help people understand how to walk. Freedom. All of that information you can find at trexo.org backslash donate. Donate. Otherwise, I hope you have a great day, a powerful day in the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as together we seek to live and understand how to walk in the overflow. Thank you for joining us in the overflow. To find a blog connected to today's session where you can engage with Jim and others, go to trexo.org forward slash blog. This podcast is made available through the gracious giving of people just like you. If you would like to help us bring more people into the healing waters of our Father's love, you can do so at trexo.org forward slash donate. We will be back next week for another edition of Overflow.